Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Stalker Speakeasy. Today is uh, Friday, the 11th of December, 2020. We're uh, a day before the MLS Cup Final. Columbus Crew versus Seattle Sounders at Montfrey Stadium. It's an 8.30 kickoff. Fox comes on the air at 8. And it was uh, looking like um, it was going to be a a, uh, a terrific matchup until the matchup changed. I'm Mike A. Reyes. I'm here with uh, the Dispatches crew beat writer, Jacob Myers, and uh, of course, uh, Kyle Robertson, photographer, the shield and the striker, if you will. And at the controls, as usual, is Patrick Flaherty, the pod father. The latest news is dark if you're a crew fan. Jacob, take us through uh, uh, what broke yesterday or, or last night, and, and then we'll get into the impact, which is um, is going to be quite impactful. We'll reverberate. Thursday night, the crew announced that a second player had a confirmed positive test of COVID-19 this week, and uh, they also released their injury report, which listed Darlington Nagby and Pedro Santos as not medically cleared to play. So quite a quite a gut punch for a exciting week. Um, I, I think crew fans were, you know, drink, drinking their emotions maybe a little bit last night. Uh, but, you know, there's still a game to play tomorrow. But that is the news. And it is quite dark, as you said. Carl, I mean, Santos has been terrific. Um, and uh, that loss is huge. And it's it's uh, it's hard to imagine a bigger loss. There's only two other possibilities. And one of them is Nagby, who is who's as the holding midfielder um, is is the tempo of this team um, uh, and, and the calm of this team, uh, the polish. Uh, he's won two cups before he was going for it with two different teams. He was going for his third um, first. Could you uh, just Talk a little bit about uh, about that one. Can it be overcome? Well, I think the only like uh, really good. I mean, the only good thing about this is that they're also missing Pedro because I thought a lot of the problems when uh, Nagby was out earlier this year is when Pedro was in the middle. Um, I thought he was kind of a wild gun, kind of an up tempo, kind of push it no matter what, um, and not the uh, more. Uh, slow it down, wait for the right moment, kind of like Nagby is and the perfectionist. So I do think that's one uh, side of it is that you're probably going to have Artur and I don't even know where they're going to go to to fill that spot. You know, I don't know if it's easier to make, you know, to to move, uh, you know, one of the subs in or you're going to move Artur over to Nagby's spot. So I think that's going to be the the wild card of, of kind of figuring things out. Um, but like you said, man, it's just brutal. I mean, Santos has been playing really well. Um, you know, he's been, um, scoring and creating chances. So, I mean, you know, it's, I think it's devastating news. I mean, I think it's the worst possible, uh, news they can get. Um, you know, maybe Zardes and maybe a goalie, but I mean, Tarbell's been playing well. I mean, but I mean, that's, 
I mean, how about Lucas Elrayon? They're right. for getting him yeah. a little bit, Kyle. That, that was yeah, the other but, one. I, yeah. Uh, Jacob, let me ask you this. If you had to project their lineup right now, and uh, they don't have to release it as yet, um, obviously that, that'll come tomorrow sometime in the late afternoon, early evening. But if, if you had to project their lineup, what, what would you be looking at? Yeah, I wrote something for the web this morning on how they might address the absences of Nagby and Santos. So I think what you're going to see is Fatia Lache starting in that spot. It's frankly, it's either him or Aiden Morris, who, while Aiden has, has played well, he's played 360 minutes his entire professional career. And Alache has played over 107 uh, or over 100 games. He's played 100 seven games in, in his MLS career. So I think that's the change you're going to see to your point, Kyle. I think our tour does have to have probably his career game to uh, counteract the absence of Darlington Nagby. And then on the wing, I think you'll probably have Emmanuel Boateng as a starter, just because I'd, I am not certain of the condition and fitness of Derek Etienne. He was one of the guys during that week where they had a ton of positive COVID cases who was listed as medically not cleared to play. That's a, I guess one silver lining of all this on the injury report is all eight players who were listed as not medically cleared to play are off of that list now, not even listed as questionable. So they could also get Aloy room back if, if his fitness is up, but I think you'll have Boateng on the left wing, which gives Caleb Porter two wingers who extend the attack and get in behind the defense. He'd rather have a pocket winger, but Eunice Mokhtar has uh, just pretty much been absent. I think he's played 21 minutes in the past six games. He's only played in one game, so he has fallen out of favor. So I, I expect you'll see some combination of Boateng and Etienne there. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I mean, this is why they, they've uh, they've deepened their roster. And, uh, uh, it, you know, <laughs> it's... I'm not saying they can sustain these losses, uh, uh, but um, Nagby's ir- irreplaceable. I mean, there's yeah. just no one in the league who can quite do what he does at that position. Uh, and and he's also, um, as the coach Caleb Porter is, a, a veteran of uh, of the old Seattle Portland rivalry, those those wars in the early years of those franchises. But Kyle, um, uh, does this change the strategy? I mean, uh, is this one of those situations where, um, okay, you do, uh, and we've seen it with other teams, uh, lesser teams, if you will, uh, where you're at home and you you back up the bus. I mean, I mean, you combination, but yeah, I think the way they play. I I think you could kind of see that. I mean, because they have explosive. If if you go with Jacobs, uh, you know, starting lineup. You have pretty ex- explosive wings that can kind of stretch the field, um, you know, with Boateng and Diaz. And then you got, you know, two guys up front that can put the ball in the back of the net. But I think what what you'll see is I think Porter has been, you know, he's been going with the starting 11, you know, majority of the game. He hasn't made a whole lot of subs. 
I think this completely throws throws him off for a loop, and I think you'll see lots of subs if stuff isn't working, especially in the second half, if they're either down a goal or, or even two. Um, you know, because he what uh, he didn't make any subs in the Nashville game until late in in the second overtime, and I think what he made one one sub or two subs uh, in New England. What what Boateng came in like in the 80th minute or something like that. So I think that's what I, I think that's going to be the you know do you throw in an Aiden Morris in there for the last 30 minutes if you're behind a little bit, um, or you know what how you know do you do you put another guy up front with with Zardes and you know do you you know do you try to go that way I mean who you know who kind of knows Jacob uh, Seb Berhalter is now available he was not is it might he might we see him i know his father's going to be in town he i think he flew directly from miami up, up to columbus i he might be available and on the game day roster but i don't expect to to see him in um he after the toronto game which i believe he started aiden morris had more uh action saw more action than burhalter and fatia lashe was kind of hurt during that time too so with those two healthy, I don't think so. Uh, but to the question you posed to Kyle, I do think Porter will change a bit how they play. And I, the one kind of game that I have circled and even mentioned in the story on the web this morning was against New York City when they didn't have Nagby or Zellerayon, I believe. And they decided, well, to your point, Kyle, when Pedro was playing the number 10, they weren't as good in possession. So what they did was just concede possession, the complete opposite of what they normally want to do and rely on that high press, win balls high, try to create off of that. And they won that game three, one. I think our tour had a, a really good game then if I remember correctly. So I feel like that's the blueprint they might try to use without Nagby in the middle. That seems like a, a remedy of their pre COVID games. Um, uh, early in the season when um, they, they did press and counter and, and they didn't put as much emphasis on, on possession, as I recall. Um, in any case, uh, we can say it out loud if, in parentheses um, that uh, uh, no Nagby, no Santos, um, and no explanation means uh, in all likelihood that uh, they've tested positive for, for COVID. Um and, uh, you know, we'll, they're tested every day, these guys. Um, and, you know, who knows? We'll see. Maybe maybe there might be another one. You hope not. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. The and then on the they other, will not provide an update from Friday's round of testing. Uh, they, well, <laughs> we'll know that by game time, you know. Um, <laughs> I don't think Fox is going on air with uh, with them saying no comment about, about any players who are out of, who are out of the lineup. Uh, or we'll know who's available and who isn't. Um, in any event, uh, you know, the crew was uh, not the favorite in this game prior to this this news. Um, I think the, the odds are moving in Vegas pretty hard. Um, the, the latest ones I saw were uh, minus 145 to plus 200, which is like giving Seattle like a 60 percent chance to win. And that might even go up. So that, that'll tell you how, how the the uh, the odds makers are looking at, at this thing. And and. Uh, it's uh, what you have here, um, Jacob, is is a Seattle team that's uh, appearing in the finals for the fourth time in five years. It's almost a birthright um, in a league that uh, is designed to uh, uh, for parity. 
um, and for changes in power, for power shifts from year to year, um, this team has been uh, incredibly consistent to the point of defying the odds of, of how how the, the very league is, is set up. Um, and, and uh, you know, the coach, Brian Schmetzer, and we can talk about Ziggy, uh, his longtime assistant, he's going for his third cup. And if they do win it, it'll be his uh, – He'll be number two on the list of all-time coaches, uh, cups for coaches. Uh, Bruce Arena, of course, has five. But the the point here, uh, Jacob, is is this is a uh, this is a powerhouse team, um, a, a potentially dynastic team, um, the way they played since they came in the league in 2009. Uh, four U.S. Open cups, now shooting for their third cup and their, um, you know, fourth finals appearance in five years. That is. Uh, there's nothing else quite like it in this in this modern game. Um, uh, uh, talk about Seattle a little bit, um, just to just as a and you know the fans know, but you know they have that trio up front uh, with Jordan Morris on the wing, uh, Nicholas Lodero as the attacking mid, and and Raúl Ruiz Diaz up top, um, and they are just a handful. I don't know if folks saw the second half of the Western Conference Final, but. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and that's one of the things, and I'm prattling on here, but one thing that's that's been forefront in my mind, Jacob, is, okay, if you if you change your strategy and you sit back and you concede possession, this team goes forward, they go yeah. forward hard, and if you give them possession, basically you're giving giving them uh, kind of free reign to come forward all, all night, and that, that sounds like a, a disastrous recipe. Yeah, I, if you think about all the teams in the league that, Maybe you're able to park the bus, hopefully um, get out in the counter. Seattle's incredibly good in the counter. So they break if, if the crew decide to try to high press and, and park yeah. it in the back, you know, they they break that high press and they're probably out and running. So uh, you, you mentioned the three guys that really make this machine run. And, and I don't think it's overstating that, you know, Seattle doesn't have that. I guess, pedigree of success in CONCACAF Champions League. But you could say that they're one of the better teams, certainly the best out of MLS that you would give a shot in the CONCACAF Champions League. Whereas, you know, the crew going for an MLS Cup, uh, they're they're first since 2008, obviously, but Seattle uh, might be one of the better teams in in North America. So, yeah, it's an incredibly difficult task. Harrison Awful is really going to have his hands full against Jordan Morris, or is is he on the right or the left? Left. I've he seen, he, he kind of does both, though. Yeah, he, he does switch around. I think when they post their when they posted their lineups uh, officially, he's on the left side. Okay, um, uh, but I mean, he moves uh, around. I mean, he he hit the post uh, in you know in the middle of the field. Um, in the game, he almost destroyed the yeah. post with that shot. <laughs> but I mean, I think to, to your point about uh, you know holding the back line. I mean, I. I do think you know the crew. It, the crew is a lot better than Minnesota in their back line, and right. if Room comes back, so I think they have the experience and the players that 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 they might be able to hold that fort, you know, before a break. But the problem is they are just, they scored off set pieces. We, you know, we've talked all year about the crew and how they've had a rough time, uh, you know, with conceding goals on set pieces. They scored, you know, basically two goals off set pieces. Um, you know, uh, in that, you know, the, the last 25, minutes. um, but you know, it's so, I mean, it's, it's going to be a real interesting to see how, I think it becomes even more of a chess match 
And, uh, you know, and I think, uh, I think Porter likes that. I think he, he likes that, that aspect of the game. Well, uh, Jacob, uh, we have seen the crew win with their goalie uh, when they had guys out. Uh, uh, Eloy Room had uh, which which game was that? He had like six saves and five of them were unbelievable. That was against Philly, and, yeah. and that's a game where I believe Nagby and Zellerayon were both playing, but they were not back at um, full speed. So and they didn't know. play a full game. They didn't right. play the full. Yeah. Uh, and so we've seen him do that. Um, uh, at that time, uh, Jonathan Mensa was not in the best, uh, uh, was not your most co- in his most confident uh, uh, um, bent, uh, and he is now. Uh, Jonathan Mensa is playing like a defender of the year presently, and Josh Williams is coming back, coming off what was probably the best game of his life. So, um, you know, if 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 you want to bend toward uh, look at look at this uh, on a, on a op- from an optimistic angle. They have the goalie and the defenders um, to to uh, hold the fort um, uh, conceivably. Um, and with with uh, Zellerion, uh, they have a guy that that can uh, step into the moment, uh, you presume, um, and, and make something happen. It might just take one lightning strike. I think I think what I'm describing here is 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 the probably the one scenario where the crew has a chance to win. And it, it's not outlandish to think that. Uh, that, that that's how it could transpire. And I'll throw that to you, Kyle. It's not a question, but just a, a general observation. Yeah, I think they're going to, I mean, they're going to, they're going to have, I, I think, you know, they're going to have to get that first goal. I mean, I think that's going to be really important for them. I think it is following, a soccer game guys. I mean, I, I, yeah, like, I know. I, but I think, I think if, if Seattle comes out and gets an early goal, I, I think, I think they're going to they're going to try to press. And then, like Jacob said, you know, Seattle's a really good counter team. And, you know, you might be quickly down to nothing if you try to go, you know, try to go for it. But I think for crew fans, you know, you need to have a little bit of a a luck or hope for some luck. You need you know, you need to have a, you know, the soccer gods look down on you and have a have a moment like the crew had against them in the 2015, you know, where first couple of minutes it's one nothing off of a weird play to the goalie or the ball goes kind of out but not really out um you know they need no, to it was out Kyle. <laughs> you know what i'm saying though I mean, yeah yes crew fans will say it was out um but Tony uh, Chani should have gave up but continue <laughs> yeah but like i just think they uh you know i think they need to get lucky i, I you know that we've talked i think in sports some teams just have a little bit of luck uh, you know, they need to maybe score off a free kick, uh, you know, and it's not like, and this is, we've talked about this. It's not like the, 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 the fans or the, the home field advantage can like help them. It's not like the, the crowd can get behind them, you know, and cheer and kind of, uh, you know, help them, uh, you know, a little bit. So I think that's a, another kind of disadvantage of 2020 and everything that we're, everything that we're in. Well, Kyle, another a scary thing, um, well, not scary, uh, perhaps an interesting twist and uh, uh, not a, a somewhat bitter one if you're a crew fan is that uh, uh, I, Jacob, have we seen the referee assignments? So they were supposed to come out today. I have not checked yet today, well, and I'll do it as we speak. But I know there were rumors out there that J.R. Marufo, who was the head ref of the 2015 game, was going well, to be. I don't know where those started. And also, no, I, I there's something to them. I would give it a high probability from what a source has sent my way 
via text that uh, Jeremy Marufo is Kyle, the uh, the central referee in this game, and that uh, Corey Parker's on one of the sidelines, and and he was uh, he was the guy that that those were the two guys that missed the call on the sideline in 2015. And Marufo, of course, uh, yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> <laughs> the jersey, oh, okay. right? <laughs> yeah, Blanco. Yeah, that, that was the notorious non-call. Blanco was going around killing people. Uh, Should have been run. And Marufo. Oh, that game. I was at that game. And she's when was it? Was a long time ago. But uh, Marufo uh, accepted a jersey from <laughs> after after giving him a gift of a game. Um, the the gift was returned post game. And I, I I think his family knows knows Blanco's family. But in, in any case. This is not a referee that crew fans want to see. In fact, uh, if you talk to longtime hardcore crew fans or even someone like uh, Sean Mitchell, who covered the team for years before he he went off the grid and uh, pitched a tent in uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming or wherever he is now, Kyle. Tennessee. Uh, He's in Tennessee, I uh, I think. Presently in Tennessee. Anyway, you talk to the people who were around back then, seeing Marufo uh, at his finest, so to speak, uh, They'd say it, it if he's the ref, it's a joke. That is just a tone deaf move by the league, and, and they so should you, be aware of that. So are you saying the fix is already in? No, I'm saying that the league. <laughs> well, I guess I mean we've seen what the league can do to the crew over the years. That's that is the uh, the source of part of the source of the word massive and the meaning of it, which is everyone's against against them, and, uh, and what used to be including ownership and management. But the point here is that. You know, if this building, if they had fans in the stands, now there's going to be people there. It appears the crew are ignoring all kinds of uh, orders from the health department. But anyway, if there were if there were fans at this, at this game uh, and Marufo was announced pregame as the ref, there would be a hail of uh, of detritus uh, hurled onto this field. And as a matter of fact, I think there was at one point. Uh, the, yes. Yeah, they they had to institute new rules for what you could bring into the stadium after a Marufo game. Uh, uh, so that that would be that would just be ridiculous, and it would add insult to, to the to the injury of, of of missing these two players. Well, talking a little more bit more about Seattle guys, uh, Jacob. You've been doing all the uh, the lead-in stuff um, with the coaches and, and the players. Um, what's their frame of mind? They do have to travel. They were a flat 500, three, three and three on the road. And we should mention the crew was 12 and one at this point, including playoff games at home. So there's that. What is Seattle's point of view of all this heading into the game? I would imagine that they're very confident given the, what they've been doing to teams uh, over over the years and, and highly confident. Yeah, I think they absolutely have every right to be confident. Uh, as you said, they're the favorite coming into the match before the absences of Nagby and Santos. I actually thought the crew were probably in a little better form, but it doesn't make them you know, the favorites at all. I just thought it'd be a really well thought out, even game. Adam Jardy's actually you know, reprised his role as somewhat glorified crew beat writer during this week he was the one all right Kyle, um, we got a good crew beat writer back on uh, it's about time jesus well i was uh, told by a few crew fans mad online last year that they wanted andrew erickson back so um there, there's that but you get him too yeah he chimed in a bit this week funny enough we can talk about this later but and we talked about uh, don garber saying they've always believed in the columbus market so ah. 
that was something we we had a chat about. But yes, oh, you had to bring that up. You know, I was having a good morning. <laughs> well, I was hoping you would not not rant about it. That's not the right word. But you know, you you have done extensive coverage and analysis of that whole situation. So I I always appreciate your viewpoint on that, Mike. Is that the politically correct way of trying to get Mike to chime in on that? <laughs> He's the most powerful man in American soccer, and uh, what's he make? Six, seven million dollars a year. Who, who am I to say anything? Look, the league was the long and the short of it. Garber vis-a-vis the crew was the league was was in cahoots with Precourt to move the team. They they wanted out of this market, and they were defeated. In the end, Garber comes out looking really smart because. Uh, he got exactly what he wanted. He got a team in Austin, and he got uh, better owners here, and he got two stadiums out of the, two new stadiums out of the deal. So he's uh, he's smarter than the rest of us. Uh, although he shouldn't, he should never mess with crew yeah. fans. I think he learned that. So th- got- that is that is disingenuous to say that he always believed in the market. He said something to the effect to me uh, when after all this was settled to two years ago that. Uh, that Columbus had to go through this. Uh, that's almost ghoulish to say, uh, and I'll just leave it at that. To finish up on uh, Seattle, like you, we talked about Schmetzer, we talk about Jordan Morris, Raul Roy Diaz, Nico Ladero. They are the bet, like cream of the crop at what they do, regardless of the lineup. The the crew was going to have a heck of a battle. But to be honest, from from the crew standpoint, and I wasn't surprised to hear this. Um, I feel like they kind of wanted their shot at Seattle. Not saying that getting Minnesota would have been any easier or it would have been. just said. Well, they were in good form. I'm not going to discredit that at all. I would say Reynoso was the best yeah. player in the playoffs, um, even in that game. But the the crew, I think, want to play the team who was recently crowned champions to just like lay it all out there. They they had said they want to win trophies in this new era. Why not go out and beat the team that just won one last year? Well, there you go. Um, you know, we should we mentioned Ziggy's game a little earlier. We should bring it up again. The late Ziggy Schmidt, uh, who delivered a cup to Columbus in, in 2008 and then uh, took a better offer to, to coach in Seattle and got that uh, franchise off the ground. As I said, he, he won four U.S. Open Cups and was kind of the heat came down on him because he couldn't win an MLS Cup and his assistant took over. When Ziggy stepped aside, last time I saw him, Ziggy was here at Crew Stadium during a reunion uh, two years ago, and uh, uh, it was just months later that uh, that he died at Christmas time. So, uh, uh, thinking of Ziggy, whose name's on the Ring of Honor and who brought glory to Columbus and and got the Seattle franchise off the ground, and from the time he 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 became their first coach to this point, the Sounders have made the playoffs every year, and um, their their run of late is is uh, is extraordinary. So, tip of the cap to Ziggy. We'll see who the the referees are going to be when they officially announce it. That that could be a, a hilarious little wrinkle. Well, the crew, the three seed in the East, things broke well for them, and after the finals on their home turf, they played the entire playoffs at home, which is a good thing for them given the way they played on the road. But they finished the season with 41 points in 23 games, 1.78. They did point per game this, in this crazy year because of the not everyone played the same number of games. So 41 points in 23 games for the crew, 1.78. Seattle was, and this is regular season, 39 points in 22 games, 1.77. 
at the crew plus 15 seattle uh plus 21 they were two of the, the the better teams right at the top in terms of differential and so under the best of conditions jacob this would this would have been almost a pick em with the crew at home um but with the uh absence of darlington nagby and pedro santos it's 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 kind of a different story your final thoughts jacob myers i think i just look at when darlington nagby was out uh the crew was three four and two so under 500, but those three wins were at home. So I, I'm not going to say they're dead in the water. It's certainly an uphill battle. Seattle, I think, is deeper than the crew is. Like, like let's be honest, the crew is a little ahead of schedule, like we said last time, in this kind of transformation. They thought they had a roster good enough to get to this stage, and now they're here. So but credit to them for getting this far. I think it'll be – I don't want to use this – it does kind of feel a little bit like a JT got hurt. Cardale came in and won the championship. Like that would almost be the scenario if the crew was able to pull this off with two of their better players out. So look, I crew fans should enjoy Saturday night. It's going to be heart wrenching and anxiety filled, but this does not come along very often. So enjoy the moment as you can. And, and, you know, certainly the outcome is dependent on that, but uh, it's remarkable that they're at this stage. And, and the last thing I guess I'll say is I had a Q&A with Dee Haslam this week and talked about she had just flatly said, no, they didn't expect to be here two years in. She talked a little bit about the future of the club, the impact of COVID-19 and the new stadium and all that, as well as their kind of growth in understanding the game of soccer. So there is a lot of stuff we put out this week. Mike's written a lot of good columns as well. So so check those out. Dispatch.com. Kyle, it's not going to be U.S. El Salvador. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and, yes. and by the way, that was uh, an impressive performance with uh, probably, I mean, Greg Berhalter is going to need a few teams next year for all practical purposes, given the number of competitions, uh, international competitions. But um, that was an uh, impressive W in Florida the other night. Uh, what was it? The final was 6 nothing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, uh, you know, Jacob said it best. I mean, it's, I think crew fans need to cherish this moment, but Hey, it, it is 2020 crazy things have happened all year that will continue to happen until the end of this year, hopefully. So, but I mean, I, look, you still got two dudes up front who score a lot of goals and make a lot of money. So I think <laughs> there's even more pressure on Zardes and, and Lucas to, you know, to have, I think they need to come through. I, I think, you know, Zardes and, you know, needs to play one of his better games. And I think you need some magic from Lucas and maybe it's a free kick goal. Maybe it's, you know, going through the whole entire team and, you know, scoring, you know, who knows? Um, but, you know, Kyle, somebody, somebody could score 27 seconds into the game. Yes. Yes. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, I just think they, I, I just think they need to defend well, have a little bit of luck, you know, puck luck, as they say in hockey or the, soccer gods looking down on them um but you know for for uh for everyone's sake i just hope it's a good game jacob when do you think the uh crew was aware that uh of these positive tests we're we're assuming they're positive tests probably because that's that's exactly what happened when do you think they knew i ask that because they have time to adjust mentally and strategically and on top of that they understand that uh as much as they and everyone else and, and break, breaks down these games and, and uh, the odds makers make the odds, et cetera, that it's a soccer game. Yeah. So they knew of the first one by Monday night that it was confirmed. And then they knew of the second one yesterday, Thursday. But I'd assume that was an initial positive 
from Wednesday and then confirmed from Thursday's testing. And that player who tested positive, who was the second player, uh, did train on Wednesday. So there's still that iffy of this yet. There there could yet be, you know, another infection or, or more. They're training, which I, I guess you can assume that every small detail, there's definitely an incentive, right, to just continue training. You want the game to go off and, and they are assuming some risk. But I guess we, you know, we're not the doctors. So let's assume that they are working in the best of intentions and, and realize that they can proceed as planned and, and do it safely. And another thing just to add, Mike, the crew have had 33% of their roster test positive for COVID in the past three weeks. Reminder that the league did not require any teams to publicly disclose cases. The crew have done so this year. And the MLSPA executive director, Bob Foose, said yesterday that 20% of the league's players tested positive this year. And I definitely did not see that many publicly disclosed cases throughout the year. So uh, if you want to continue with your league grant, please do. I, I just gave you a little time there. But yeah, it's full speed ahead to Saturday. Well, you know, there were rumors earlier this week, even some reporting that uh, there was consideration to not have this game in Columbus at, at some point, and presumably Jacob because of, of the of the COVID situation here. Right. Yeah, and then Bez quickly confirmed that they're they're going to have the game here, and they're they're going ahead with it. Crew is having fans despite a stay-at-home order. All things we've mentioned, but yeah, that was something that was considered. Well, Kyle, here we go. It's another massive situation here in the craziest of years. Here's the crew, always the underdog, at least through most of this century, and put in a big underdog situation again. We'll see how it goes. For Jacob Myers and, and Kyle Robertson, I'm Mike A-Race. Patrick Flaherty's at the dials there. Gentlemen, shout out your Twitter handles before we sign off. Underscore JC Myers. And K-Rob Photo. Patrick is the podfather, too, at the podfather, too. All right. Thanks for joining us, everybody. That's the speakeasy for today. We'll join you at least one more time post-game. Once again, it's uh, I think the kickoff's 8.30. The, the broadcast on Fox begins at 8 with the pregame. Columbus Crew versus Seattle Sounders. And uh, it's going to take some uh, massive effort for the crew to beat this powerhouse Seattle team. That's it. From different points of Columbus on this team meeting, Patrick, kick us out of here. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.